All right, Faith Promise, how are you doing this weekend? Man, incredible to see you. We love you guys so much. Whether you are still online or you have moved back to gathering in person, we're thrilled you're here and uh, love you. We want to add such value to you to help you achieve your full potential. And in this series, No Excuses, to help you find your purpose and your mission so there is no more or there are no more excuses for us not sharing our faith. So it's going to be an incredible time of transformation. Let me just share with you something I share with the Lord every day, especially when we gather to worship, and that is Jesus, this is not my church. It's your church. These are not my people. These are your people, your children, your sons and daughters. We ask you, Lord, to take over this. You said you'd build your church. We need a God moment. We need you to do whatever you want to do because this is yours. So touch us to move in powerfully is our prayer in Jesus' name. Now, let's talk about living on purpose. I was going to call it intention living out of a book of one of my mentors, John Maxwell. Actually, I worked on this message and next week's message with John. I spent a few days with him a couple weeks ago. And so intentional living or living on purpose is will add so much significance to your life, it's ridiculous. If you will follow this series and quit making any excuses, you'll discover a passion and a purpose that will rejuvenate you beyond most anything else, and that is soul winning or disciples that make disciples that make disciples. This is a command by Christ our King to his church, and we got to do it. So let me ask you a question. Would you agree with this statement? Everything in life that's worthwhile is uphill. And so whether it's your health or your wealth, your spiritual walk, your family, your small group, your ministry, your business, whatever it is, it is uphill. And here's the problem. We all have uphill hopes, right? But we have downhill habits. See, I want to be 175 and a lean, mean machine. But I have this haagen habit that really prevents that. And so I've got uphill hopes, but downhill habits. This weekend, we're going to break a habit, and that is not sharing our faith. Last weekend, we talked about companies caring more about profits than the church does about people. And we've got to get this right. See, we're a family at Faith Promise, whatever location, wherever, whenever you're listening to this message, you could be on the couch in your car, wherever you are, it could be at any one of our campuses, we are a family, and we're called together, but we are called to our communities. So whether you're Anderson or Blunt or North or, or Costa Rica or God Behind Bars, we are called not just to our church. We are called to the community in which God has placed us. Would you all agree with that? And so we've got to stop looking inward and focus outward. The spirit-filled life, the life of power and passion, is an outward-facing faith, not inward. But the church tends to look inward. So in this series, man, it is, it's my prayer that we put the go back in gospel. Does that make sense? Because Jesus said in the last command, the great commission, go therefore, or as you are going, make disciples of all the nations 
Baptize them, meaning that you've won them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all I've commanded you. He just commanded them to make disciples, right? That's why we call it disciples making disciples making disciples. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But in this invitation-oriented church culture about just inviting people to church, we're not making disciples, we're making invitations. Now, we're making invitations to over half America that is never, ever coming to church. Never. They pass our buildings, they don't notice, they don't care what goes on here, and they are never coming. Some of you know that because you've been inviting family or friends for years, they've never come. What we have to do is have a broken heart that they're separate from God, and it has to matter to us because it matters to Jesus. Does that make sense? So every day I'm praying for Bob. Pray for Bob. A burden, an opportunity, and a boldness. A burden, an opportunity, and boldness. I talked to a gentleman after the last service, said, hey, let me tell you about my two, I'm praying for Bob. One of them is a friend named Bob. The other one is my ex-wife. I said, you're what? I said, you know, I've rarely ever heard anybody talk about winning an ex-spouse to Jesus. I'm impressed. Are you with me? Because God loves people, even though you hate some. He loves them. Amen? So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been somewhere like an amusement park or Six Flags or Disney World or the grocery store or the mall, and you turn around and one of your kids is missing? Does that ever happen to you? Isn't it the most horrible thing? That's why we kept Mike on a leash, because he would run away. And so, but you're, you turn to pay for something or order something at Disney World, or you, you, you turn, and you're only turned for seconds. You turn around, and your kid is gone. Immediately, your blood pressure starts to rise. Your, your pulse starts to beat, and you look around, and your mind is firing and you look around and you start calling and then you start screaming. Within the first about 15 seconds, now you're in full freakout mode. Are you with me? You start running each way. You thought screaming for your kid. Screaming for your kid. Now, if your kid was missing at Disney World, would you go eat lunch? You couldn't eat. Would you go ride one more ride and then look for him? I mean, we had three kids. If we lost one, we still had two. Is that good enough? Is it good enough? No, you wouldn't do anything. You'd be screaming at everybody to help you. My kid is missing. You've got to help me. See, nothing would matter except finding that child. And that's got to be how we feel about God's children that are missing, that are lost, that are separated from him. We need that heartache and that heartbreak. We need that burden that God has. See, that burden motivates us to go. It motivates us to tell, to give, to share, to pray. It gets us out of our blessed assurances, out of our lazy boys, and into the harvest field. In Acts 2, 47, which is a paragraph in which our theme verse of the year, verse 42, is in. But verse 47 says this, because, of what they, because they were all in, they were wholly devoted. Who's all in? Who's all in? Because they were all in. But they were praising God and having favor with all the people, lost people. And the Lord was adding to their number every Sunday. Is that what it says? It didn't say every Sunday. It was just day by day. 
see, we think it means every Sunday when we bring our family and friends. It means every day. Those disciples were making disciples and baptizing them and then teaching them to win their family and friends. And within 40 year, years, they marked the whole known world. That's why we spend November in a series we call, or a season we call Heart for the Harvest. It's an offering we do every year. I'm praying for two million this year. But it's a one-time offering we do. We're gonna plant campuses, we're gonna do some mission work, we're gonna do some compassion things in our community, Boys and Girls Club, there's some stuff that we are going to do that, and we challenge every promiser to go all in in that offering. And we are planting seeds, sowing seeds for the next generation's harvest. And so, what, what, and so when it comes to sharing our faith, what I've done, been a part of, erroneously, let me hasten to say, is keeping, is dumbing down evangelism. Just invite, just invite, just invite. That means 60% of America is going to go to hell because all we're going to do is invite. See, I've taught downhill habits of evangelism, which leads to no personal responsibility the Great Commission. Because, listen, your family and friends that are far from God, faith promise doesn't have a relationship with them. You do. They're your field. They're your responsibility. Paul said, my hands are clean from the blood of all men because I've done everything I could to win anybody I could to Jesus. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, lived with this incredible burden. And, and this is how you live out your, your days with a burden, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to do something I rarely do, and that's why I'm going to read you a passage out of another version. I read lots of versions, but I only preach out of one, New American Standard. But I want to read you this, this passage out of the message, which I used a couple years ago in my, in my one-year Bible reading plan. Here, here it goes. If you're ready, Sam, ready. Even though I am free from the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily, see, Apostle Paul was evolved. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious and non-religious, meticulous moralists and loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I did not take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. This is how you live with a burden. And I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. That's how we, that's how we do. So I'm going to give you seven things rapidly out of this passage that we need to incorporate into our lives if we're gonna live with a burden. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Come on, number one, you gotta add value to lost people. Add value to people far from God. Paul said, I became, I made myself a doulos, a servant, a slave. Now, that word slave in this passage is not a slave that's been taken by conquest or sold. It is a slave who willingly gave their se themselves to someone else. So, so a doulos is to give, give oneself wholly to one's needs or service. So what Paul did is Paul looked every day in ways to add value to people far from God. Listen, you want to you wanna talk about having a great day, wake up, get filled with the Spirit of God and live that day on mission. Say, Lord, what can I do today? 
How, what can I do today to add value to people's lives that are far from you? How, it makes life fun. I'm going to create new ways. I'm going to think of ways. What can I do? How can I help people? See, we made them comfortable in our church, but we never got comfortable in their world. And Paul said, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world. See, but in the church, when you come and you say you're saved, we just love you automatically. But in the real world out there, or actually the real world, in the world out there, they have, to, they have to respect you before they can have a relationship with you. We have to serve them before we can share with them. So let me ask you a question. Who can you add value to daily and, and expect nothing in return? Are you with me? Just because you love God. Just, just doing it. Does this make sense? So number one, look to add value to people far from God. Number two, include everyone. See, everyone actually means everyone. He said, whosoever, all, it's not my will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's everyone. Are you with me? See, do you believe God loves you? Do you believe God loves everyone? Do you believe God loves people you don't like? Yeah, that's not quite as strong, is it? Because we figure if we don't like them, God doesn't like them either. Aren't you glad you're, I don't know, I don't know about, I'm glad you're not God. And you really need to be glad I'm not God. See, if we're going to be more like Jesus, we're going to value people, everyone, everyone. We need to connect with people and quit trying to correct people. God didn't call you to be the church police. Matter of fact, the scripture says the Holy Spirit will convict people of sin and judgments and right and righteousness come. You don't have to, you're not the Holy Spirit Jr. But God's going to use you. See, God doesn't change people to accept people. He accepts people to change people. And aren't you glad he did it with you? Aren't you glad somebody told you? Aren't you glad that people were caring when, when you were lost? So to be relate, let me let me just let me give you something that if you if this if you if this is going to be a new game for you, let me tell you something you're going to face. Let me help you with it. If you're going to talk to people far from God, you're going to have to apologize for the church all the time. Because as soon as you begin a spiritual conversation, it goes hold up, hold up, ho ho. Let me tell you about this preacher. Let me tell you about this deacon. Let me tell you about this church split. Let me tell you what this Christian businessman did for me. Big fish on the side of his truck as he ripped, robbed, and raped me. Come on, let me tell you what's happened. Are y'all with me? Don't defend the church, apologize. See, because we're not, listen, we're not, we're not trying to get people to church as much as we're trying to get them to Christ. The church doesn't say Jesus does. Had a guy at my house, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago, he was measuring for some material that I'm turning my, part of my barn, um, me and Michelle, into this man cave. My upper room, my war room. I'm so fired. I love it. Man, I'm so excited about it. I, I, and, and so he got done measuring. And we walked back outside. I said, hey, man, uh, let me ask a couple questions. And I began a spiritual conversation. He said, hold up. Let me tell you about church I grew up in. Fun damn mentalist. Hated everybody. It's just his words, not mine. I mean, he just, I said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm so sorry. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm so sorry you got treated like that. I'm just so sorry. I didn't defend that church. I said, I'm so sorry. That's the way churches were. I so apologize. He said, I hate religion. I said, bless God, so do I. He said, you're a preacher. You can't hate religion. I said, God hates religion, so do I. God doesn't hate religion. I said, God hates religion. God said, perfect religion was, was to take care of widows and orphans and keep yourself unstained by the world. Listen, a religion is wicked people trying to do good enough work so God will let them into heaven. 
man, I'm, listen, I'm pushing Jesus, not religion. Jesus didn't die on a cross and build another religion. There were plenty. He said, what do you mean? I said, dude, listen, golly bomb. I wish you had my faith. Did you catch that? I wish you had my faith. He said, what do you mean? I said, man, all this COVID crap and people are freaking out. I said, man, I got the joy of the Lord. I said, let me tell you where I was when Jesus found me, bro. I was in a, I, man, I was a dead-end drug addict. I was, man, I was jacked up and whacked up. And, man, Jesus saved me. Life's been incredible, man. I hate religion, but golly, but man, I'm fired up about Jesus. And he's fired up about you, and your life could be like that. Have a great day. How many times do you think he's thought about that conversation? Now he's coming back to bring the material that I ordered from him, and we're going to talk again. Listen, it's my job to be salt and light. And, and let me tell you, it's a political. And it's, I know what the media is telling. It's the, only, it's the only race that's ever mattered. All of eternity is, is, is based on who's going to win the election in less than a month. Can I tell you, God is not saying, oh, my holy name, what are we going to do if Donald Trump gets elected? Oh, the world will go away if Joe Biden gets elected. Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? Son, what do I mean? The Trinity's going to be in emergency session. No, God's got this. Listen, I'm not as concerned about who's on the White House as who's on the throne of the Most High God. Vote. Vote values. Vote your values. Vote your Bible. Come on. You're smart enough. Vote values. Don't vote the person. Vote the platform. Vote the values. I'm just telling you, vote, vote, vote the things that matter. Come on, somebody. I hate, this, I hate this beauty contest between two people. Come on. I frankly believe America can produce better. Are you with me? So listen, don't get on Facebook and bash and trash people. Man, I, I started a COVID back on Facebook, and sometimes I wish I wouldn't. I'll scan, I'll say, How, oh my. I want to call somebody beyond and say, are you an idiot? <laughs> Take this crap off your Facebook. My family members that send me videos. Man, I just want to say, would you stop? I'm not watching that. Come on. I didn't watch the debate. I'm not watching the debate. The debate's not going to change my values. Come on, man. Shouldn't we be more known for the gospel than our political party? Are you with me? Republicans come and go, Democrats come and go. Jesus remains forever. All right, all right, let me, number, number three, come on. Number three, we must intentionally know who we are in Christ. Paul said, I kept my bearings. I kept my bearings. I entered their world. See, a lot of us are afraid to talk to them or enter their world because they'll taint us. They'll drag us down. Not if you walk in the power of the Spirit. Come on, you don't have to be like them to reach them, but you got to like them. It's not a legislation problem. It's not a political problem. It's not a rate. It's not a skin problem. This is a sin problem. Get around some lost people. Start talking to them. You'll find out who you really are. I'm in the hands of God. I can go where they are, and I'm good. I'm good. I, years ago, I shared this story. We were in Louisiana, and I decided to try to win the most notorious drug dealer in Jennings. There was 11,000 people, so everybody knew everybody. Are you with me? Everybody knew everybody. And so we, and so I started going to this guy's house. His name was Ricky Bro. He brought drugs in, started. He's about 50 years old. I went to his house one evening, knocked on the door. His mother came, come on, 50-year-old drug dealer, live with your mom, get a stinking life. And I, so I said, well, Miss Bro, where's Ricky at? He said, well, he's right down there in the street at the bar. So I thought, okay. Are you going to come back? No, I'm going to the bar. You're a pastor. You can't go to the bar. I said, 
hide and watch. And so I got my car, drove in, walked in the bar, walked up to the bar, put my arm around Ricky. I said, Ricky, man, step outside for a minute. You were supposed to be at your house. We were supposed to talk. So we go out. I walk out. Everybody in the bar follows us. They think there's going to be a what? A fight. Ricky says, y'all go back in. It's just a preacher. See, most of us are too worried about what other Christians say about us than to befriend people far from God. And I shared the gospel, Ricky, and you know what? When I left Jennings and we came to Knoxville, Ricky showed and gave his heart to Jesus, but I've never forgotten about him. See, I believe God, the scripture says in Ecclesiastes that God put eternity in everyone's heart. And if you'll listen to people around you, they really want God. They just don't know how to connect with God. And the church has many times got in the way. And so rather than invite them, how about let's be dealers of hope and life. Now, invite, I'm not saying not to invite people to church. We're going to do tricks or treats, and we're going to do at the movies, and we're going to do big Easter's. We're not going to stop doing that stuff because there's still people that will come. But we are soul winners. We're disciples that make disciples. That We have a proximity and a laborer problem, not a harvest problem. The harvest is plentiful. So let me ask you a question. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. What's more effective, making people mad or making people hungry? Then quit being church police. Listen, be the salt and light. Salt makes things better. Have you ever had salt on french fries? I don't even want french fries if there's not salt on them. When I grilled meat, I got 12 kinds of salt. It's incredible. I mean, and decades ago, back in Bible times, they used salt as money. I love me some salt. Pink Himalayan, man, I got, I'm just, are y'all with me? Salt makes things better. So, and, and light makes things brighter. So when you go to work and you say, hey, my job, everybody there hates God. Listen, when you go, you're the salt and the light. You're going to make it better and you're going to make it brighter because you're on mission for heaven. It's how you live. Number four, intentionally enter their world. Paul said, I went where they were. He said, I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Come on. Enter their world. That's what, that's what Paul did because that's what Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 9, it says this, verse 35, but Jesus is going through all the cities and the villages. Jesus went where people were, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So look at verse 36 and seeing what? Seeing what? The people. He felt compassion. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were distressed and dispirited. Then he looked at his boys and said, hey, guys, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers. That's what this series, No Excuses, is about. God sending faith promise in, as workers into God's field, which is people. See, Jesus went, he saw, and he was moved. you got to go out where they are before you can win them. The gospel is Go. As you are going to work, going to play, going to shop, wherever you are. Jesus came to our world. You think heaven was better than here? I guarantee it was, but Jesus left his world and came to our world. And he modeled it. He gave his life for us on the cross. Then he gave us a great commission, not the great invitation. Again, I'm not saying don't invite people, but I'm saying, man, we got to share Jesus with them. Because some of us have been saved so long and we're not around people far from God that we've forgotten what it feels like to be lost. It's horrible. We've got a proximity problem. We've lost contact with people. 
that are far from God. Our lack of proximity has led to a lack of passion and compassion. See, I was busy building a church and really sort of forgot about my calling to be a soul winner. Lost sight of why I was saved. And it, it has become a slave to everyone so that I might win more. Does this make sense? This is what God wants us to do. Number five, we've got to experience life from their point of view. See, we want them to understand our side, understand their side first. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. That phrase transformed my marriage. And it'll transform your relationship with people. So Paul said, I became, I made myself a slave. I became. How can they love God if they loathe God's people? Number six, creatively, creatively move people toward God. Paul added value. He got out there with them and he added value to them. Amen. To the Jew, to the Greek, to those under the law, not the law, to the weak, to the strong. Why? That I might by all means save some. I just believe people want to know God. We've just sort of gotten in the way. So how do we make them hungry for God? It's the life that we live. Is, is God your greatest meal? Anybody enjoying God here? In, do y'all enjoy God? Come on. Say, then they'll enjoy God too if they knew him. So we sow seed to the gospel in people's life all the time. Let me give you one more. And that is seeing God's message and experiencing God at work. The way he put it in the New America, the, the, the message, I did all this, all this soul winning, all this serving because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. And so talk to them not as much about the church as you talk to them about Jesus. Talk to them about Jesus. See, Jesus is more attractive than the church. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I took, two, I took, I was swollen with pride because of where we were, 27th fastest growing church this year before COVID, 49th largest church in the United States of America, man, and I was all, I was all caught up in that. Man, when God finally brought that to my realization, I said, Jesus, nobody needs to know who we are. We don't need to be on anybody's list. Nobody know. Let us win souls for you. Let us win souls. Come on, somebody. Let us win souls. So in my growth planner, 2021, I'm going to win 12 people to Jesus. I'm, I tell you, that told me accountable. I'm going to win 12 people outside of preaching, outside of here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. So if you are here this weekend and you're far from God and you want to talk, man, if you'll, if you'll fill the communication card out and put your cell number, I'll call you. I'll call you. Come on. Let's look for Bob. Boldness, burden, opportunity, and boldness. Let me wrap this up. I could have gone another two hours, but I love giving gifts. And I'm going to do a message. I got John Maxwell shared with me how to live a life that's unforgettable. And one of the ways is good, good gifts. They don't have to be expensive. They just have to be thoughtful. Good gifts. Good gifts. Michelle does, you know, when we give a gift to one of the kids for a birthday, and they'll say, thank you, Mom. And I'll say, hey, what about me? Dad, you had no part in this gift. Mom went, she shopped, she bought it, she wrapped it, she put your name on the card. I paid. That doesn't matter. So I was talking to John about gifts and about, man, living a life that's unforgettable. And an idea hit my head. And so I did it. And so Michelle and I took Micah and Joy out for dinner. And I couldn't wait to tell him. 
So we hadn't even ordered. I said, hey, hey, listen, I want to I wanna tell you what I'm going to give you for your birthday. He said, well, Mom's already bought that. I said, I got it, I got it. But this is going to be your best birthday ever, ever. This 33 is going to be the best birthday you've ever had. He said, what's the deal, Dad? I said, you know that red 1980 Corvette that I took two and a half years to build? That beautiful pull-me-over red Corvette? That's yours. He said, what's the real deal, Dad? I mean, go ahead and let the other shoe drop. I said, son, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give more, and I don't keep score. And I want this to be a birthday you'll never forget. Come by the house. The keys are in the car. I got all the extra parts. It's ready. Come get it. Insurance is paid for a year. I just put tags on it for a year. Take it to your house. It's yours. You'll never forget that birthday. Do you all agree with that? I never forget it. When I get to heaven, when am I going to bring Jesus? What, what do you give God? Who owns the universe? I know what I'm giving him. I'm giving Jesus everybody I've ever won. When I get to heaven, the first question says, I'm gonna present those people. I'm gonna present them. This is my gift to you, Jesus. You gave your life for us. These are the people that I'd invite you, poured in, prayed for, and led them to you. This is my gift. I don't wanna go to heaven empty-handed. Are y'all with me? So. Listen, maybe, maybe you're like me. You lost focus on souls. Maybe you're like me. You got on the wrong scoreboard. That was me. I've, I've repented. Maybe you need a fresh move of God, just a fresh anointing, a fresh move. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, listen, because this is not, I don't want anybody to do this because somebody else did, but if you need a burden, you need a fresh move, a fresh work of God in your life, I want to ask you to just stand up right where you are. If it's one or a hundred, doesn't matter. Just go ahead and stand. I want to pray for you. I want a fresh work. I want to be burdened. Just go ahead and stay right where you are. Just go ahead and stand. Come on. Now, let's raise our hands to heaven, God, for those people that are standing who have said they need a God moment. That's how we started 30 minutes ago. We need you, King Jesus. We need this as holy ground. This is where revival breaks out. God, these are people that are hungry. Father, I pray for a supernatural anointing. I pray for a Holy Ghost burden baptism. I pray for opportunities. We pray for Bob. I pray, God, you'll do such an incredible work on these folks. I pray to open doors. And God, when they get to heaven, they will present to you throngs of people that they have won and we have won. We're going to bring it to you and say, here you go, King Jesus. We're going to bring a return. So God, let the fire fall on them. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Go ahead and have a seat. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise in the house. Now, let me tell you, we, we talk a lot about the church, and we talk to you about the head of the church, Jesus. Some of you are, I was talking about you. Man, you had a bad, a bad background in church or something happened to you or whatever, but you've realized that it's not the church. I mean, you have a bad meal. You don't quit eating. If you get food poisoning, you may not eat for a couple days, but you're going to eventually put the feedback back on. You're going to sash you up to the hog trough. Come on. But if you, whatever, man, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You may feel like I'm a Christian, but I don't have a relationship. Right now is your opportunity to get adopted, to get forgiven, and get a new passion and purpose. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're ready to open your heart to Jesus, he's ready. So we're going to pray this prayer out loud with you. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. Forgive me. 
I come to you desperate. I receive your gifts of forgiveness, of salvation, and of adoption. Thank you, Lord. Write my name in your book. I will follow you.